Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Podcast. More information about Saving Grace is available at savinggracesda.org. Praise the Lord for Jesus. Praise the Lord for His wonderful love to us and His grace. I greet all of you in the name of Jesus our Lord. And I pray that this morning the Lord will bless each and every one of you. Bless the speaker as well as the audience. I also would like to greet uh, two gentlemen who have come to worship with us this morning here. Vă salut în numele Domnului Hristos și vă spun bun venit și rog pe bunul Dumnezeu să vă binecuvinteze într-un mod special. I think you understood the word special, right? So, you, you get the first lesson. <laughs> Special lesson. As you mentioned, this week has been a very tragic week for many. People who are killed by others and people who put an end to their own lives. It is terrible what we hear, what we watch, what we see, what we experience. I don't want to add anything more to what you already have heard. But there is another tragic event which took place, and you'll find out about that. Because the name has been great. You even watched some presentations. You remember the All Power Seminar? And that dynamic speaker? Wonderful speaker. I knew him personally. I shook his hands. I watched some of his presentations. I got to love him. I have some of his books. The 1st of December, after dealing with depression, and mental anguish. Only a very small number of people knew that. I would have never, never believed that that man is contending with depression and mental pressure. Never. Practically to me, that was one of the most dynamic speakers I've ever met. His fluency in English sometimes is like he would, you cannot even, I think he was faster even than Dwight Nelson. He had access to these great minds, business people, scholars. He would come with practical principles from the Bible to convince them that, hey, you lack something. You may have everything, but if you do not have the spiritual side, you will lose. Leo Scriven. I couldn't, I, I was in tears, put an end to his own life. Left behind a wonderful wife, a godly wife, a wonderful da- daughter. Again, you would have never believed, if you had met that person one time, 
or, or see the way he was interacting, never believe that something was, was killing him inside. Now, only God knows what happens in people's minds. And only God can judge properly. We, we should never judge. But one thing we may say, somehow, when a person who knew the Lord, who knew the Word of God, get to that point, somehow he loses the vision God has given him about this life and the life to come. Somehow Satan comes between the soul of that person and God. And the person is like, looks and see, sees darkness. Doesn't see anything beyond. Maybe a failure. Maybe a dream that was not achieved. Maybe a terrible danger. Maybe an enemy who threatens him. Something may happen in the mind of that person that he stops receiving God's vision for life, God's purpose, God's presence, God's impulses. We don't judge, but we learn. And the passage we have for this morning tells us about a man of God who got to a point where he could have done the same. Because apparently he lost everything. I will read from a New International Version. Uh, the scripture which was read from uh, Hebrews chapter 11. From verse 23 about Moses. I will give you a glimpse. I would like to talk this morning about God's vision for a man. I would like to present to the church this morning the importance of receiving a vision from God for your own life. I would like to underline before you this morning the necessity as a church to understand what is our purpose here. And not only to understand, but to see somehow through God's eyes. I would like your attention this morning. No matter where you are coming from, what is your background, and what is the purpose you have for your own life, what are the goals. I would like your attention because something might bless your heart this morning. We are living the last month of this year. If we look back, and see what we have accomplished personally or as a church, we might get depressed. So, is there anything to learn these last days of this year? Something which will mark our life. Something which will change our future. Something will, which will make such a difference that our lives will never be the same. This is what I would like to talk about. And for the, for the whole month of December, 
I would like to focus with you on God's vision for our personal life and for the church life. Let's read together. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known. From verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded his grace for the sake of Christ as of a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he, had, he left Egypt fe not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Let's bow our heads for a short prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with our hearts, Lord, saddened by what we have heard. But with a desire to look up to you and to be touched by your spirit, to be touched by your word, to be touched by your grace in a way that would open our eyes to the vision you have for our lives. In a way, Father, that will never ch will, will change everything in our lives. In a way that would make us like Jesus, who even when he was on the cross, he would still hold on to you. Because he got the vision from you. And he kept his eyes on you and on the vision you gave him. We need as a church, I need as a human being, as a member of your church, as a preacher of the gospel. And every church member needs, at the end of this year, as we evaluate, as we analyze our lives, we need to receive from you the vision, the personal and the collective vision you have for us. And hopefully, Father, begin a new year with something new, something that will impact our lives, our family members, and the community in a marvelous way. We pray for your spirit in us this morning. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I will not analyze the life of Moses step by step. We have heard so many sermons. I would like to underline some thoughts which are connected to the main topic of this morning. The vision of God. Moses, first time, when he was very young, he became the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses, Moses wanted to deliver God's people from Egypt, right? Did he try? Did, did, the, did Moses have a vision for the deliverance of people of Israel? Did he try? What did it happen? He failed because something was missing from his vision. 
There was a vision of a day and place. There was a deep passion for God's people. There was a great desire for the glory of God. But something was missing. Moses didn't realize that he cannot do anything with God without God. Somehow God was missing from the vision Moses had for deliverance of people of Israel. And he lost his freedom in some ways. He had, he was so afraid after he failed that he ran away for days and for months maybe in the most remote remote place he could find and over there spent 40 years as a shepherd forget about the fact that he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter forget about the, the fact that he was about to become the Pharaoh of that generation forget about the fact that he was maybe the most powerful general of that time because that was a, a great mind. Moses became like an ordinary person. And spent 40 years away from his dream. Away from his vision. Away from his people. Now, if we read the book of Exodus and the other books which mention about what happened with Moses, we see that God himself comes and visits Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, we see that vision Moses had. Moses was given from God. A new vision about the same dream to deliver God's people from Egypt. Moses needed a new vision. And in this new vision, God was in the center. Now, after so many years, Moses kind of lost the dream somehow. The dream was not as strong in his heart. And when the Lord came and said, Moses, you are the one to go and deliver my people. Moses didn't act like before. How did Moses act? Who am I to go and deliver your people? Who am I? Moses didn't see in him what he saw 40 years ago. His pride was gone. He, his self-confidence was gone. In fact, Moses was taken to the, to the other extreme. Not only to not see that you are not able, but to not make anything about that. It is here where God comes. It is here where we need God's presence and God's place in the vision He has given, He's given God, giving us. Now, we all go through circumstances in life and we all make decisions in life that take us away from our original dream. And we fail. And we look back and we said, sometimes we may even say, why did we come to this country? Why we're here in the United States? Why? 
What did we accomplish? And when tragedies happen, our lives are at stake. And we may lose any vision about our future. Now, in those circumstances, when you don't see a way out, when you consider yourself a failure, when you have lost and lost and lost and lost, God comes to you. And the way the Lord comes to you is giving you a new vision. Amen. That's God's manner to not only visit you and to analyze your state, your situation, but to give you a vision. Biblically, a vision involves three main things, three main dimensions. We'll, we'll go over this. A vision involves, first, revelation. Second, a vision involves inspiration. And third, a vision involves action. First thing, God helped Moses to understand who God was. The first element of a biblical vision is about God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the situation. I think we can deal with, with light because it's not a, a, a difficult thing. But the first and the first and the first, the revelation is about God's character. It's more than about God's existence and God's signs of presence. It's about God's character. When the Lord revealed himself to Moses, the Lord said, I am who I am. Believe me, in those words is more than what we hear or, or, or read. In those words, God opens the heart to Moses and let Moses see a little bit of the invisible. So when you go through difficult times, when you go through tragedies, when you go through desperation, what you and I need is a vision, a revelation of God's presence and character. Amen. The second part of revelation is a, a revelation of the reality at that time in your life. In other words, God reveals the truth to you about yourself. God reveals the truth because otherwise we may have we may have dreams and we may have visions which are not connected to God's dream for us and God's vision. If you remember when Isaiah went to the temple and he had a vision over there at the temple, first he saw the glory of the Lord. So the first element of the vision, the revelation, it was about God. 
He heard the angels. He felt the presence of God. And he was in awe. But immediately the second part was about the revelation about what? Was about himself. And Isaiah got to the point and he said, Oh to me, because I am undone. I'm a sinful person living in the midst of sinful people. And I saw the Lord and I will die. We need the truth. It is the truth that sets us free. We might not like it. It might not sound pleasant. We might not be attracted to that. But God reveals the truth. That's revelation. A sick person will never go to the doctor unless he or she is convinced that he is sick. And we will never look for something which is tremendously important to us unless we are convinced that we miss that. The same with the spiritual life. So the first element of revelation is about God's character. It's about God's love. Second, it's about the reality about yourself. Moses understood who he was when he said, Who am I? I'm nothing. I'm not that young man who was very courageous and tried to do the things of God by human power. The third element of a true revelation is about God's plan. God never keeps you in the situation you are in. The Lord will reveal to you a plan. And that's part of the whole vision. The Lord revealed to Moses the plan he had to use the same Moses, but in a different way. To accomplish the plan he had to deliver the people of Israel from Egypt. The second element of a biblical vision is inspiration. God does not reveal himself only to the human being and his character. He does not only show you the reality you live in and doesn't only show you the plan he has. He inspires you the desire to follow his plan. He moves upon your heart. He helps, to, helps you desire, long for the fulfillment of God's plan for you. And always, 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 in God's vision, the plan He has is not to harm you, neither destroy you, but to give you hope and a future. These are the thoughts I have regarding you, says the Lord. This is my heart to you. Always, always, doesn't matter if it's a temporary little thing, a small plan, community service, or something else. In God's bigger picture, your salvation is one of the main things. So, I cannot inspire you, you cannot inspire me. There must be God. 
The Spirit of God is the one who really can inspire me to desire to follow the revelation I receive from God. Moses was inspired. As he spent time with God, surely, I don't want to go to other details, which are practically very important. That case describes somehow the reaction of a human being when God comes with a plan. No, 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 no. Who am I? Maybe somebody be is better. Oh, uh, what will say Pharaoh? What will say the people of Israel? Practically, I cannot speak very well English. Or, you know, whatever else. There could be specific uh, realities. But Moses was inspired as he was speaking with God. As we spend time with the Lord, as we debate with Him, as we do not separate from Him, at one moment we would be inspired. In other words, we would have the desire, the prompting, the conviction to do something about that. And the third point of a biblical vision is action. After Moses was given the beautiful vision of God's presence, after Moses talked with the Lord, after Moses was inspired, was convinced about God's greatness, and was inspired with the desire to follow God's plan, what did Moses do? What did Moses do? Do you remember? He went back to Egypt. And that shepherd, who maybe had forgotten how to use the weapons, maybe he didn't have too much desire to fight anymore, that shepherd went back to Egypt and he acted. This is what is lacking to many people. They might get a vision. They might be inspired a little bit. But because the self is still present in us, the sinful nature is still there, and the old habits are still there, we might not want to step out and act. And people will die even with the vision. Even with the right vision. Even though the Bible says that when the vision is missing, people are perishing. But in our case, I believe the vision has been given and given and given. And it's time for us to understand the first two parts and after that what really means to act. It was not pleasant to Moses either to go back and, and, and face a whole empire. A new pharaoh. New people. It was not easy for Moses to face his own people because he suffered more from the people of Israel than he suffered from the Egyptians. It was not easy to go and convince a nation that was in slavery to follow him. And it was not easy because he went to meet Satan. Satan was behind Pharaoh and the whole host of Egypt, Egyptians. So it is not easy for you to step out and act. Believe me, it's not easy. It's not easy for me either. But it is here where faith prevails. It is here where you see the difference between dreamers 
and people who accomplish. It is this very fine line where people may have all these things and still die away from the promised land. In the case of Moses and in the case of great heroes of God, the vision they received contained revelation from God, revelation of his character, revelation about the reality they were living in, and the revelation about God's plan for their lives. Second, they were inspired to do something about that. They, they desire, they long to fulfill that purpose. And third, they acted to the point of risking their own lives. It is here, my friends, where the crucifixion of self is necessary. It is here where you, like Paul, you do what Paul says, in our battle against sin, we have not yet struggled to the point of shedding our blood. Yes, it might involve shedding your own blood, uh, destroying your own sinful nature. But hey, this is where the vision came into place. To see another you over the years. To see yourself. What is the vision practically? It, the projection. The projection. The projection of your life. Every human being somehow should have a vision of their future. Every church member should have a vision of God's future. Every church should have a vision of what they are about to do. Only the animals do not have a vision of their future. They live for today. The little birds in the morning, they will sing songs, they will find the food. They don't care about next day or the, about next week. But we are different. We are wonderfully created by God. And the wisdom is of that person who thinks, what will be my life at the end of this year, Brother Henderson? How will look my life one year from now? If the Lord gives me another year, or other three years, what will I have accomplished at the end of the next three years? Five years, ten years, and any other year the Lord has to that. Surely we don't make plans by ourselves because in that case we may miss God's plans. But this is why we pray. This is where we find or we encounter God. This is where we hear from the Lord what is his desire for our lives. And this is where we receive the strength and the power from the Holy Spirit to act. Now, did Moses... Embrace God's vision. Did Moses do that? Surely. Did Moses accomplish what the Lord was projecting for him? Surely he did. Now there was a moment in Moses' life. Again, you don't need to go to be taken through details. But there was a moment. It was just before the promised land. It was just before he would taste the fruits of his long journey. Forty years. This man 
animated by the vision he received from God about himself. He was so animated, he was so encouraged that he said, Lord, only with you I will go further from here. Lord, if you do not come with us, don't allow us to move on. That man was walking with God. That man spent time with God. That man performed miracles with God. And that man was about to succeed perfectly. But, Brother Henderson, what happened? For a moment, Moses took his eyes from the one of whom he said, Do not allow me to go further if you don't come with me. We talk about somebody who put an end to his life. For a moment, if you take your eyes from God, who is going to penetrate into your mind? Who is going to try to suggest new plans? Who is going to try to suggest a quick fix which might put an end to your suffering but which takes away your everlasting life? Moses, for a moment, took his eyes. He allowed somehow, even his own mission and task, he allowed the people of Israel, who are so dear to his heart, to come somehow between him and, and the Lord. And Moses failed. Open with me. Turn, turn the Bible with me, if you wish. Or we may have on the screen. Hebrews chapter... Hebrews chapter, chapter, uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 4, chapter 3, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy chapter 3, from verse uh, 23. It's from verse 23. Okay. At that time I pleaded with the Lord. O oh, sovereign Lord, you have begun to show to your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do? Let me now go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country and Lebanon. But because of you, the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. That is enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me any more about this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes, since you are not going to cross this Jordan. What is this? This is a tragedy. It's a tragedy somehow. And turn to turn uh, to the last chapter of the same book, chapter 30, 34. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 34 from verse 1. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, 
the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on all to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I'll give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you'll not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Do you understand what happened with Moses? Now, before this, Moses could have gotten into the deepest depression ever and let his mind be turmoiled like, like a be under the most anguishing emotions. But friends, Moses lost sight of the vision for a moment. But he immediately reconnected to the Lord. He immediately reconnected to the God who, has, who had called him and used him powerfully. Moses repented before God. And even though the Lord had not allowed Moses to enter the promised land, the vision that Moses received from the Lord still kept Moses somehow in the center of God's care with him. Because the Bible tells us in the New Testament that the Lord Jesus himself came down from heaven to fight for the body of Moses, for the life of Moses. And the Lord Jesus fought with Satan over, over Moses' uh, 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 tomb. And because of Moses' repentance, because of the vision Moses kept in his heart to the end, the Lord resurrected Moses and took him up to heaven. He is among the few who enjoys today the joy of everlasting life. From heaven, Moses was sent when the Lord Jesus needed somebody to fellowship with, to be, to be encouraged. Moses was sent from heaven by God to encourage the Lord Jesus Christ just before his crucifixion. You see how God works? The point I would like to make here is this. Even in the case you have failed, God's vision for you still remains. God has grace. God has power to change your failure into a blessing. With God, it's never too late. With God, the impossibility you are in becomes a miracle. But what I need to learn and to practice, and what you need to learn and to practice, if, if we fail, we immediately look back to Him. We immediately reconnect to Him. We may not enjoy the blessing of the promised land here, but the eternal life nobody will take out of your, your hands.
And friends, this is the temporary life we live. This is not our final home. This is not our final destination. We should never sell eternity for the best this land can give us. In God's vision, the eternal life is something which cannot be replaced with anything else. Because the Lord doesn't want only to give you a little bit of what he has. He wants to give you all. And all means the eternal life. Is the eternal life part of your vision? Do you live daily for the eternal life? The young people, do you allow the things of this world to steal from your heart the hope of eternal life? There is a fight. There is a battle. There is an enemy. If the enemy was able to make Moses fail, fall, do you think that I'm stronger than Moses? Do you think that you are stronger than Moses? No. We may all fall. Therefore, we should make a commitment that we will daily keep the Lord before our eyes. We will daily communicate with the Lord. And if we have failed, God forbid, we still allow God to continue the journey with us until we finish. The vision is so important. What are you going to become one year from now? What am I about to do three years from now? What fruits the Lord will bring out in my life five years from now? What is God's plan, specific plan for your life and for my life? What is the vision? Here is where the vision is necessary. And friends, the vision is so necessary that if we do not get it, we perish because the Bible is right. People without vision perish. We need a new revelation of his character. We need to be inspired by him. And we need to act. We need to act. Maybe you heard, maybe not. A tragedy took place some years ago in Brazil. The, the, the brother-in-law of one of the governors, Brazil has like United States, it's a, a group of states or regions where you have one of the governor. In one of these regions, the brother-in-law was kidnapped and the criminals were asking about two millions to deliver him, to release him. The family, I'll, I'll take the shortcut, the family would... Uh, provide 500,000 and they said we don't have more so finally the criminals they accepted 500,000 uh, with the promise that they will release the man in two days they found the body of that man on the seashore dead they killed they took the money and they killed the man the wife of this person was devastated. He had a daughter. 
he had a wife. He was, she was so devastated that at the end of two months of depression and anguish and anger, he decided one morning to take one of the guns her husband had. He was in military, so he was, he was a man of weapons. Take one gun, and one morning, one Sunday morning, very early in the morning, maybe four or five o'clock in the morning, she planned to put an end to this anguish. She couldn't take it anymore. In order to do that in a way that, you know, will, will cover somehow, she turned on the TV and maximum volume so that, you know, the noise in the house will cover the noise of what will follow. And the first thing, my friends, when the TV was on, it was a man of God, a preacher of the gospel, who would say to the people he would preach, but now the lady was looking, he said, you might go through difficult times. You might go through anguish of the soul. You might have lost your faith in God, your hope in life. You might be about to do something terrible with your life, please don't do anything. Wait a minute. Please stop a moment. And she was like that. So she would listen and listen to the whole sermon. And at the end, the man of God made an appeal that whoever watches, whoever sees, whoever listens, kneel before the Lord and give God, to God the life. And let God open the mind for his vision for your life. So the lady watched the whole program. And at the end, when the appeal was made, he knelt before the TV. And she received a new vision from God for her own life. She realized that, okay, she lost a husband, but she doesn't lose his God. She lost Maybe half of her life here, but she doesn't want to lose the eternal life. She lost peace and other important things of life, but she doesn't want to lose the vision of God. So she accepted God's vision for his life, for her life. Over there, she saw an announcement. The Seventh-day Adventist church closer to her area was, you know, the address, everything. That Sunday evening, she was in the church in Brazil. They meet also, the seven people, they meet every Sunday evening. In fact, the Sunday is the best day of evangelism, maybe, because people have time, you know, on Sunday. So she would go to that church. She would go to the prayer meeting. She would go every Sabbath. And after about three months or so, when there was a time of sharing experiences, uh, and thanking God for certain motives, she would get up and she would tell them the experience. And when they realized that she's the wife of the man who was, you know, the news and media, everything, everybody knew practically what took place, they were amazed, they were astonished. She would continue for about almost one year. And one day, while she was reading the Bible, she came across Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 16, where the Lord says, And those who will believe and be baptized 
they will be saved. She, she wanted to be saved. She got the vision of God from, for her life. So she would go to the pastor, talk with him, and they made a plan for baptism. And it was Friday evening. Friday evening. Next Sabbath, it was the baptism. Like, now it's Friday evening, tomorrow morning is the baptism. How to explain to her daughter? They were Catholics. You know, how to share with her daughter? Finally, in the evening, the phone rang. Ring. It was the daughter rang. It was the, the daughter uh, uh, calling her. The mother was about to call too. So, how are you? Okay, mom, said the young lady, I would like to share with you something. I know, I know that, you know, and you know how I love you. I love my father. And I, I love everything which was connected to our, our family. But my ma mom, something happened. A young lady from the university took me to the church. And there were some presentations over there. And as devastated as I was, listening to the word of God, I realized that the Lord has another vision for my life. And the Lord was speaking to my heart. And mom, for the first time in, in, in months, I got peace in my heart. And mom, I love my father. I love everything which was connected to our family. And I will never betray you. But the Lord called me, mom. And one day I came across the, the, the gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 16. And I found out that the Lord is calling me to give my love to him to baptism. And what to say, mom? I love you, but I cannot, I cannot say no to the Lord. So, mom, tomorrow is the day of baptism. And there was, it was silence, silence. And the young lady said, mom, don't, don't cry. And the, the mom said, who is the pastor who preached? Unbelievable. The same pastor. The same man of God. And what church are you about to get baptized in? The Seventh-day Adventist church. The mother said her story. I came across the same Bible verse and I felt called by the same God and I listened to the same pastor who was inspired to say, wait a minute. Listen, God might have something better for you. And I decided to give my life to the Lord tomorrow to baptism in the same Seventh-day Adventist church. It was not the same very church, but at the other location. She became one of the great colporters in that country, selling the books written by this pastor about how Christ changes the life, giving you a vision, and in that vision, the eternal life is in the center. You see what takes the hope of eternal life to one and gives the hope of eternal life to the other one? Friends, it is God's vision in which God is present. 
We should have this vision repeated and repeated and repeated in our minds, in our prayers, in our sermons, over and over again, because it is God's vision about life that makes us different from other people. Listen, or read with me the, the beautiful vision another person had. And I will finish. I would like somehow to gather, to get a glimpse of eternity. Because if I die tonight, but I die with the vision of God in my heart, with the, with the, with the, with the hope of eternal life, what will be the you know, it's like, if you have this, you have everything. But if you do not have the right vision, and if you live another 100 years, and you die at the end of 100 years, you have lost everything. Amen. Looking forward to the resurrection morning. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. This is a vision about eternity. As you, your senses delight in the attractive loveliness of the, of the earth, think of the world that is to come, that shall never know the blight of sin and death, where the face of nature will no more wear the shadow of the curse. Let your imagination picture. Let your, let, you have, let your mind get a vision from God. The home of the saved. And remember that it will be more glorious than your brightest imagination can portray. Amen. It is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him. That's God's vision. That's true. And if you have it and you keep it, you move on, you hold on, and you, you pass through this difficulty, and you pass through that difficulty, and you pass through the other difficulty, because your mind is to the vision of God. Amen. By and by, the gates of heaven will be thrown open to admit God's children. And from the lips of the king of glory, the benediction will fall on their ears like richest music. Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. It is God's vision Amen. to hear that voice, to hear that invitation. You would pay everything for that. You would give all this world only to hear God telling you, Come, you who are blessed by, by my Father. Then the redeemed will be welcome to the home that Jesus is preparing for them. Then I saw Jesus lead the redeemed company to the gate of the city. He laid hold of the gate and swung it back on its glittering hinges and bade the nations that had kept the truth enter in. What a vision. Within the city there was everything to feast the eye. Rich glory they beheld everywhere. Then Jesus looked upon his redeemed saints. Their countenance were radiant with glory. And as he fixed his loving eyes upon them, he said with his rich musical voice, I behold the travail of my soul and I'm satisfied. 
these rich glories is yours to enjoy eternally. That's God's vision to your life. That's God's vision for us. We should make this life an ongoing process of preparation for the life to come. We should see through God's eyes, hear through His ears, and feel through His Spirit. Because this animates you, encourages you. And no matter what God allows to happen in your life, you'll not give in, give in because you have the vision of eternal. Language is altogether too feeble to attempt to describe heaven. As the sin rises before me, I'm lost in amazement. Carried away with the surpassing splendor and excellent glory, I lay down the pen and exclaim, Oh, what love! What wondrous love! The most exalted language fails to describe the glory of heaven or the matchless depth of Savior's love. That's God's vision for you and for me. Almost home. This is from the spirit of prophecy. This was a vision given to a person like me and you. And I believe in visions. I believe in the visions that come from God. We are almost home. We shall soon hear the voice of the Savior. Richer than any music saying. Your warfare is accomplished. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Blessed, blessed benediction. I want to hear it from his immortal lips. I want to praise him. I want to honor him that sits on the throne. I want my voice to echo and re-echo through the courts of heaven. Let's read together the last part. God help us and fill us with all fullness and power. And then we can taste of the joy of the world to come. God's vision. God's vision. Let me make a short summary. Am vorbit în dimineața aceasta despre nevoia de a primi de la Dumnezeu o viziune. Pentru că noi toți trecem prin situații grele, toți întâlnim situații imposibile și adesea ne descurajăm și ne pierdem speranța în viață, în viitor. De aceea, în cuvântul lui Dumnezeu am descoperit că e nevoie să auzim cu urechile noastre spirituale, vocea lui Dumnezeu. E nevoie să îl lăsăm pe Dumnezeu să ne descopere care este planul lui pentru viață. E nevoie să îl lăsăm pe el să ne descopere cine suntem noi cu adevărat, ce fel de oameni suntem și care sunt nevoile noastre. O viziune de la Dumnezeu are trei laturi principale. Prima este descoperirea adevărului despre Dumnezeu. Descoperirea adevărului despre caracterul Lui. Cine este El? Cum este El? Doi, descoperirea adevărului despre noi înșine. Suntem prăi, suntem păcătoși, suntem nedrem, nevrednici. Trei, descoperirea planului Lui Dumnezeu pentru viața noastră. Dumnezeu întotdeauna are iertare, întotdeauna are milă, întotdeauna are putere, întotdeauna are un plan specific pentru noi. Aceasta este prima parte a unei revelații a unei viziuni adevărate. A doua este inspirația. Dumnezeu nu doar descoperă adevărul despre El și despre noi și despre planul Lui, dar El ne inspiră dorința să facem ceva frumos cu viețile noastre. 
El ne dă gândul acela de a ieși dintr-o stare de păcat. El ne dă putere să biruim uh, un anumit viciu. El ne dă acea dorință clotăditoare a inimii pentru a face voia Lui. Iar al treilea pas al viziunii de la Dumnezeu este acțiunea. Dumnezeu ne descoperă adevărul despre sine, adevărul despre noi, El pune în inima noastră dorința ca să urmăm adevărul și acum ne dă putere să acționăm. Cu alte cuvinte, nu doar auzim și vorbim, ci trăim, acționăm. Iar din Biblie învățăm multe lucruri minunate. Unul dintre ele este despre oamenii lui Dumnezeu care au primit viziuni de la Dumnezeu și care au acționat în conformitate cu viziunile primite. Moise a fost cel pe care l-am prezentat. Moise care 40 de ani a stat în, în pustie ca păstor, iar Dumnezeu l-a căutat, i-a descoperit adevărul despre el, i-a descoperit adevărul despre Moise și a arătat lui Moise un plan. I-a dat o viziune. I-a spus lui Moise, iată ce vreau să fac cu tine. Vreau să te trimit înapoi în Egipt și tu să fii eliberatorul poporului meu. Tu să scoți poporul Israel din Egipt. Și Moise a acceptat. A mers în Egipt și în puterea lui Dumnezeu a scos poporul până a ajuns la hotarele Cananului. Iar apoi, întâmplarea de la sfârșit, s-a întâmplat în Brazilia, cumnatul unui guvernator a fost răpit, iar răpitorii au cerut două milioane de dolari pe capul lui. Săraca familia a reușit să adune 500 de mii de dolari. Au dat la răpitori, însă aceștia au aruncat trupul mort pe malul uh, mării după două zile. Soția a fost înnebunită de durere. În două luni de zile a trecut prin depresie și prin suferințe mentale care nu pot fi descrise. La sfârșitul celor două luni de zile și-a hotărât să-și pună capăt zilelor. Pentru că soțul ei fusese militar, avea arme acasă, avea pistoale, a luat un pistol, sâmbătă, duminică dimineața, câte 4-5, când era întuneric și liniște, a pornit televizorul la maximum ca să poată să se împuște și să nu audă ceilalți. Însă primul lucru pe care l-a văzut a fost un predicator, pe care eu îl cunosc personal, care predica Evanghelia și s-a uitat la oameni și a zis poate că treci prin necazuri, poate ți-ai pierdut speranța, poate ți-ai pierdut nădejdea, poate nu mai ai dorința de a trăi, nu face nimic, te rog, nu face nimic, oprește-te, ascultă. Și săracă femeia a rămas înmărmurită. De unde știe predicatorul acesta că eu sunt gata să-mi pun capăt zilelor? Și a ascultat și a ascultat, iar la sfârșitul predicii, omul Dumnezeu a cerut tuturor celor care îl ascultau și îl priveau să-și predea viața lui Dumnezeu. Pentru că Dumnezeu are o viziune frumoasă pentru ei. Chiar dacă au trecut prin tragedii, chiar dacă au pierdut pe cineva drag, Dumnezeu încă are putere ca să-i ducă mai departe. Și a cerut ca toți să se închine și ea s-a plecat pe genunchi în fața televizorului și și-a dat viața Domnului Hristos. Un anunț de la televizor a indicat unde e biserica unde poate să meargă să asculte. Era o biserică adventistă ziua șaptea. Sâmbătă, duminică seara s-a dus la biserică, i-a plăcut. S-a dus și miercuri, s-a dus și vine seara, s-a dus și sâmbătă. După vreun an de zile, a găsit, după vreo trei de zile, a fost o oră în care oamenii și-au împărtășit bucuriile și ea s-a ridicat în picioare și a mulțumit de Dumnezeu pentru că, uite cum a fost salvată. Ei au privit la ea, 
nu le-a venit să creadă. Ea era soția celui din mass media, you know, toți știau ce s-a întâmplat cu soțul ei. După vreo de zile, după vreo câteva luni de zile, a descoperit în Marcu, capitolul 16, versetul 16, că Domnul îi cere celui ce crede să se boteze, ca să fie mântuit. Și a hotărât să se boteze. Însă avea o fică de vreo 17-18 ani și ei erau catolici. Tu știi, Ghiță, când noi trecem de la ortodox la adventiști, cât de greu este. De la catolici, ce mai greu. Ei era, erau catolici și cum se spune la fica ei? Vine seara, se pregătea să-i dau un telefon, fica îi dă telefon. Fica zice, mamă, ce mai faci? Mamă, uite, vreau să spun ceva. Tu știi că am trecut prin depresie, prin devastare, că am pierdut pe tata. Dar o tânără m-a dus la universitate și acolo un predicator a vorbit despre Dumnezeu, despre cer, despre împărăția cerurilor. Și mamă, m-a convins. Eu cred că există o altă viață. Am pierdut pe tata, dar nu vreau să pierd cerul. Și după câteva luni de zile am descoperit în Marcu, capitolul 16, versetul 16, că dacă vrei să fii mântuit, trebuie să crezi și să te botezi. Și mamă, vreau să spun ceva mâine, vreau să mă botez. Știu că o să te superi, dar tu nu o să nu te superi, mamă, pentru că Dumnezeu mă cheamă, eu te iubesc, l-am iubit și pe tata, eu nu vreau să mă despar de voi, dar Dumnezeu mă cheamă și nu pot să stau departe de el. Maica s-a plângea la celălalt fir, pentru că maica sa și ea era programată să se boteze a doua zi. Dar zice, la ce biserică? Și a spus, la biserica adventistă. Dar cine a fost pastorul care, pe a fost pastorul cu tare, pe care eu îl cunosc? Și femeia plângea, zice, fica, mamă, te-am necășit, te-am supărat, nu, zice, și eu mă botez tot mâine, la aceeași biserică. Dumnezeu mi-a salvat și viața mea. Iar istoria vrea să spună că chiar atunci când ești în disperare și nu mai vezi nicio care de ieșire, Dumnezeu în bunătatea Lui se apropie de tine și îți arată că El are un viitor și are o speranță pentru tine. Apelul pentru toți este ca să lăsăm pe Dumnezeu să ne scape din necazurile noastre și să lăsăm pe Dumnezeu să ne îndrepte atenția către împărăția cerurilor. Pentru că există o viață veșnică. Viața aceasta nu este viața veșnică. Viața aceasta este pentru un singur scop să ne pregătim pentru viața veșnică. Dimineața aceasta voi face un apel ca toți aceia care doresc să accepte planul lui Dumnezeu pentru ei, să accepte viața veșnică prin credință, să fie să vină în față, fie să se plece pe genunchi pe turgăciune. Apelul este și pentru voi. This morning I would like to make the appeal to come or to near wherever you are, but somehow in a, in a, in a different way, with the with the consecration that, Lord, here I am and I'm really ready to embrace your vision for this life and for the life to come. Friends, there is an eternal life, you understand? We should never postpone the moment of consecration for eternal life. Never. Because we don't know when and how the devil is, is, is breaking our lives. This man of God, I... I, I shed tears this, these days. I shed tears. I cannot understand. But that tells me we are so feeble. And you may be the giant of giants if something comes in your mind between you and God. Satan is so able to destroy everything. So I don't want to give Satan any chance. And I'm making the appeal to you. Every morning, 
consecrate yourself for that morning and let God open your mind to understand there is a heaven which is waiting for you. And every morning you say, Lord, I'm giving my life to you for heaven, for eternal life. I accept Jesus as my personal savior and I don't want to trade him for anybody or anything else. This morning, I would like you and me to consecrate before the Lord. Let's kneel before the Lord. Tatăl nostru care ești în ceruri, venim înaintea Ta în numele Domnului Hristos ca să-ți mulțumim pentru ziua aceasta și pentru posibilitatea de a asculta cuvântul Tău, de a primi viziunea Ta pentru viața noastră. Doamne Iisuse, Tu vezi situațiile prin care trecem, Tu vezi necazurile cu care suntem confruntați, Tu vezi nevoile noastre și luptele noastre. Te rugăm în această dimineață, ajută-ne să primim de la Tine viziunea Ta. Pentru că în viziunea pe care Tu ai, cu privire la viața noastră, este viața veșnică. Și vrem ca să primim speranța vieții veșnice, Spiritul Tău Sfânt, pentru ca să ne ajute în încercări și necazuri și să ne facă să biruim oricare ar fi aceste încercări. Binecuvintează-ne în dimineața aceasta cu credință și în timp ce vom pleca de aici, fă ca să urmăm planul Tău pentru viața noastră. Our beloved Father and our precious Savior Jesus Christ, this morning we thank you for the vision you have given us for life. Oh, your vision is the vision, Lord. Your vision is about you who are kind and gracious and loving and wonderful. A forgiving Father, a Father who saves, a Father who transforms. Your vision is about us. We are nothing without you. Amen. And we will never be anything without you, Lord. But it's also the vision about your desire and your plan for us. To give us a future and hope. This morning we have been inspired by you with the desire for eternal life. And the desire to be fruitful here on earth. Lord, we have not been fruitful the way we should have to. We ask forgiveness and we beg you in the name of Jesus. This month, teach us, inspire us, convince us, transform us, so that we may bring fruit for the glory of God. Amen. This morning we have been taught about action. And sometimes we are given the vision, we are inspired, but because it involves time, energies, sacrifice, learning, unlearning bad habits, learning new ones, we kind of don't act. We beg you, give us the spirit you gave to Moses, who eventually he acted, and he acted in your power, for your glory and for the salvation of your people. He failed just before stepping into the, the new land. But Lord, because The vision you gave you was about the eternal life. And because he embraced that vision wholeheartedly, you forgave him. You gave him repentance and he's in heaven today. We beg you for the same, the same, the same result 
in our own trials and failures. We heard about how people cannot take it anymore and they believe that by doing something with their lives they will somehow escape the turmoil of their minds and doing things which are not supposed to be done, Lord. We beg you that you would never allow Satan to come between us and you. Amen. Never allow Satan to blind our minds, to take away the vision, and never allow us to do anything contrary to your will with our own lives. You gave us life, and we want to keep it as long as you want. We would like to raise from our knees this morning with the Spirit of God in our hearts. We don't want to move on without you. And we pray for our church, Lord. And we pray for every member of our church. We pray for every child, every parent. We pray for the prodigals of our church. Father, the vision you have given us is that our beloved ones would come back. And we like to embrace this. We like to pray for this. And just as that woman and the daughter were afraid to share with each other the decision they were about, they made, and eventually they found out that the same God took them to the same destination, we would like to see our beloved ones here, Father. May none of them be lost. And may the parents here never, never lose heart, never give in, never give up. May they continue to pray until all of them, along with us, will be in the kingdom. We pray in the most wonderful name in heaven and on earth, our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. We pray that you have been blessed by the Word of God. We are also encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch the lives of others. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, Please let us know by sending an email to podcast at savinggracesda.org.